0: I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hi, today I'm here with my very new colleague, Kath Sykes, and Kath is in a very new role as well for um, ACT. Hi Kath. Hello. Um, So can you just tell us about your role? What's your remit? What is it?
1: So basically, I've been um, appointed to work with the unregulated sports sector um, and to provide um, advice, guidance, scope it out and and find out really what resources are required to help them meet um, good safeguarding standards, uh, working with um, adults at risk.
0: So. What is unregulated sector? Because (laughs) um, I know one of our colleagues, Kimberly, would say all sport is really unregulated. So who are we thinking about in this, you know, group?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you start looking at it, it's actually a really, really um, broad um, area. So you could be looking at um, sort of gambling, esports, brand new sports, um, which aren't affiliated to a governing body um, but the purpose of this role is really looking at those um organizations and those clubs which don't belong to a governing body and aren't affiliated um, and aren't part of the um, active partnership uh, currently so it's quite a quite a targeted group but quite a, a broad group
0: yeah so this could be anybody really like I could set up a a hockey club in my back garden but I don't have to be affiliate if I'm not affiliated to England hockey would I still be able to get some support from you? Yeah that's
1: right or any dance groups um or any groups which are built on a, a passion um for sort of leisure um and sort of recreational sport sporting activities.
0: So I guess this fits in with the um strategy of uniting the nation, getting the, getting people active um and it does fit with the active partnerships doesn't it with the tackling inequalities fund that they've been um given um access to so they've been funding some of small groups in localities to try to get the um people who aren't normally involved in sport and activity moving aren't they Mm.
1: Yeah definitely and I, and I think now um as we're sort of coming out of um the pandemic and restrictions are easing there's a huge um need for for people wanting to get back out to socialize meet up with other new people and and a way to, to do that is through people's um sort of passion and desire to get involved with local groups um whether it's walking groups or like i said dance groups or or other sort of groups like that so um so there's quite a need for it at the moment.
0: Yeah, so what, why did you want to come into this role? Um, Kath, what what inspired you to apply and to join us?
1: Yeah, well, it was a really interesting role. I hadn't seen one like this um, previously advertised. And of course, it's working with the Ancraft Trust, which is a really uh, well-known um, organisation within the sector. Um, I've started working in the sports sector at the beginning of this year, having moved from the uh, youth work sector, bringing across my safeguarding expertise with me. And a lot of my background has been working with very small voluntary and community organisations, helping them um, embed safeguarding, um, develop policy procedures and training. So this is really using those transferable skills um, into the sports sector. So hopefully I can use that and work with the other team members of the Iron Trust um, to utilise the resources that we've already got um, and really make them sort of work for for grassroots um, organisations.
0: Ah, brilliant. Um, Yeah, so that leads on to what, what would you like to achieve? Um, because it's two days a week um, I'm thinking this is a massive area to be looking at um, how, we, how are we narrowing it down yeah it is
1: I mean this is a one-year funded post uh, for two days a week and and actually when you start looking at it it is a huge huge area to try and cover so really it is about um, sort of hitting the ground running making contact uh, with the networks trying to gauge the sort of um, queries that are coming through because I think once we we start establishing that we can see where the gaps are and where we really need to target and develop resources to help that Um, so it's going to be um, sort of a scoping exercise reaching out um, and trying to find what's already out there and, and building on, on the resources, really. Um, and if we can build up an evidence base um, by the end of the year, then hopefully we'll have enough um, information to, to
0: potentially look to see whether the project can continue. Great. So um, what have you found out so far? So you've been in post two or three weeks, haven't you? Um what what's the i was going to say what's the word on the street what's the word on the playing field what's the word in the swimming pool what's the word you know <laughs> what's happening yeah
1: well i think some of the inquiries which have come through so far is basically Starting off just to try and find out what training is currently out there. So what what is available that can be used for current volunteers to um, sort of raise the awareness of um, adults at risk? Um, some of the policies that we need to put in place to start sort of the the conversation really. Mm-hmm. So and once the um, basic knowledge is there, then we can start working that up. Um, whether it's developing good practice and policy and sort of taking it onwards, really. So, so it's really starting at that level, um, I think, and, and just trying to engage in,
0: and just kickstart that
1: conversation.
0: Yeah, that sounds good, because I'm guessing there's people who haven't really thought about safeguarding adults. So they want to run the walking group. Um, they're enthusiastic. Um, they know that there's a need out there. Um, but how do they think about safeguarding? It it isn't always something that people think about, is it?
1: No, it really isn't. It, It tends to be, unfortunately, reactive rather than proactive. So when something happens, that's when they think, actually, I don't know how to to manage this. I don't know what the right procedures are. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know where to go for help and support. That's when they start reaching out. And really um, what we need to try and do is be proactive so they already know where to go for support, what resources to turn to and start embedding um, safeguarding procedures within uh, their organisations and clubs. Ah. So it's just sort of turning it around, really, um, and preempting, because there's nothing worse than having um, a concern come in. And then you sort of feel quite overwhelmed, um, you know, and and concerned about it because you want to to do things properly and correctly. um, And and the information's out there. And it's just trying to find that information before um, something happens. and, And what we want to do is obviously prevent anything from happening in the first place.
0: Yeah so you're talking um well that's the language of safeguarding adults isn't it it's about prevention and um putting things in place before things happen um so absolutely
1: yeah and i think it's also about working with your target audience as well so um within the clubs it's sort of working with those those groups as well because you know you have to engage them in the process so everybody understands especially with safeguarding it's everybody's responsibility um it's not just one person so it's really important to sort of try and get that ethos
0: that everyone's a part of this that's a good message to have isn't it for people so i was just going to ask you what's your key message that you're saying to people at the moment and is it that, that it's safeguarding is everybody's responsibility or everybody's business It is everybody's responsibility.
1: Um, And I would try and say, you know, it might not be top of your agenda at the moment, but it's one of those things that I would really push up, uh, up your agendas and priority lists and and reach out and and start having a look around. And and even if it's just by jotting down who your local contacts are, um, you know, within your area, so you know who to turn to. Um, If something was to happen or if you have um, a concern um, which is shared with you about one of your members, it's like, well, where do I go with this? What do I do with it? So just try and whilst you have the time, try and find that information now um, rather than than later, really. Um, And do have a look at the Ancroft website because there's plenty
0: of information on there. Yeah, and I think that's um, we have got plenty of information, but I think you'll be looking to maybe tweak it so that it feels more relevant to people as well. Um, because some of the language that we use is really reliant on there being a national governing body um, Mm. and so that people have somewhere to go at a national level, whereas actually locally you might not have that national governing body. And that's basically why we wanted a new post to look at that. Where do people go locally when they don't have an overarching um, organisation to turn to?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, and it's sort of, you know, where do you start? You know, what what is your support network, and that's really important to start developing that. So, you know, obviously you can come through to the craft trust, but even locally, are there any forums that you can attend, or you know, who's your key contacts within your um, local authority? Uh, What groups are there that you can join up? What free Training is there um, and other opportunities for you to um, sort of engage with um, other people that, within your position.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? Just to have a little scoping thing. So um, I have to direct people to the safeguarding adults boards. So if they can look on the um, local authorities website, you can find the link to it. And um, when, we're, when we can actually meet up in real time, they often run um Partnership events so people can get together with other safeguarding partners and um, attend training or attend briefing sessions and that can give you a really good understanding of what's happening in your area. Um, So I quite like that as a good start. Have you got any tips, Kath? yeah I would say re-
1: reach out as you say there's a huge amount of support and willingness to work with organizations and really um sort of help you get safeguarding off the ground and be there to provide that support give you the information you need handhold if 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 that's what's needed um but like with everybody capacity is a real issue mm. um so they won't necessarily come to you you have to go out and find them and I think sometimes just freeing up a bit of time to do that um sort of exercise is, is really
0: important. Yeah so I, th- I think you've been in touch with the um, Steve Bucock at the Active Partnership Network haven't you? Yeah. Um And obviously the Active Partnerships are a great source of support in localities um, around safeguarding. Um, what were you talking about with Steve? Is there anything that you were thinking oh yeah that's what I need to get involved with?
1: Yeah I mean it was a really interesting um discussion that i had with steve just to find out how the um active partnerships work and what yep. the remit is and and the funding opportunities uh, that that are available um but it's really taking that up to a national level um yep. you know and it's trying to think well, well where's the consistency what can we share where's the good practice how can we link it all together um rather than reinventing the wheel it's like well how can we take it onto the next stage um particularly as this is a 12-month project so we know we have to achieve outcomes by the end of that um so so what's possible within that time frame so um so it's definitely a lot of work to be done
0: (laughs) yeah there is yeah um so i did a um a podcast um a couple of weeks ago with the um Active Partnership in um, Cumbria, and they were talking about the breadth of their their work that they do um, and the the types of groups that they're funding. And these really are people who are not taking part or not used to taking part in um, mainstream activity, aren't they? So people who are maybe... have got mental health problems, who've got who are disabled, um, who are from lower income um groups. So um I mean what we know from safeguarding is this can make you more um susceptible to abuse or neglect, can't it? So it sounds mm-hmm. like it's a really good, you know, needed project that you're in.
1: It really is. And and for those groups, they're doing an absolutely fantastic
0: job um,
1: and they have a huge wealth of um, experience, expertise, empathy um, to work with um them, their chosen groups that they're working with, so so that's really to be encouraged. And what mm. we need to do is support them in that and make sure that they've got a really good safeguarding base to help them with that. So actually, um, they can feel really confident that the service they're providing is um, a, a really good quality service, and that the people who attend them um, are in a safe environment, um, and that if there's any concerns, they know where to share them and pass them on to. And I think that's really important. It's about out, um, sort of giving them the confidence
0: um, and the encouragement to keep doing what they're doing and providing that support. Well that sounds very doable because I think people can get a bit frightened by the word safeguarding can't they and think oh gosh you know it, it sort of raises um, I don't know your blood pressure or gets your heart racing because it makes you think well what am I going to do what am I going to do but actually you're making that sound quite reasonable that they just need to know what to do if they've got a concern, and try to embed that right from the start.
1: Yes, that, that's right. I mean, it's it's first of all, looking at your safe recruitment. So yeah. how are you recruiting your volunteers? That's um, a, a really critical part of the process and making sure that you've got robust procedures in place and and that's an area um you know which um you know you can sort of quite quickly turn around and make sure you've got good practice embedded there so you're employing people with the right expertise to run the activities but also the right people to be able to work with um adults and young people as well. So that's the most important thing. The second part is how you run your activities. So making sure that, um, you know, they're effective, they're meeting the needs uh, there's learning outcomes but also um, that they're safe so even if you're running your groups currently um, online or digitally that you've thought about the environment that you're creating and the code of conduct so there's lots of um, information about that as well so that's your operating side Um, you know so so how you're running a safe safe club and then the final part of that is um, the concerns so if a concern is reported to you how do you record it Um, what do you you do with it where do you go with it how do you know if it's a high level concern or a low level concern so it's all part of a big um package if you like so it's just making sure that you cover all those areas um and and are confident with that
0: well that sounds great yeah i think people i think i think it's needed because we get in act, um people coming to us and saying, um, oh, I've got to have safeguarding adults as part of this funding and I don't know where to start. And actually you've laid out quite a nice process of um for people to think, yeah, actually I can do this. Um, because like you say, we don't want to reinvent the wheel, we don't we don't want anything too complicated. We want people to get out and to do their thing, don't we? And and safeguarding just to be threaded through organisations. Um, and I think we've been a bit um I think the I think the media has highlighted when sport gets this wrong recently, hasn't it? And we can learn from that and some of the reviews that are going on in sport and activity to try to, you know, use some of the lessons.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, safeguarding practice is always evolving. I mean, we're leaps and yeah. bounds forward from where we were um five years ago, ten years ago, it, it is moving forward and we're learning um from some of the previous cases and and putting steps in place to sort of mitigate against um, future um, you know issues that might come forward but we're still learning as well and I think it's really important to, to remember that we are evolving we are developing practice and new ways of working and that although the pandemic has had a huge, devastating impact um, on, you know, on a lot of our lives. Actually, there has been some positives that's come out of that in terms of the way we've had to um, change some of our working practice to going online, to developing um, new technology um and and ways of working um so i think we need to embrace that as well and sort of keep some of the the good side good yeah. things um and, and continue to develop and i think part of that is keeping the conversation live um so so rather than sticking with where we are now is where, where do we want it to be how can we get there and what do we need to put in place to do that and i think um you know setting up
0: dialogue and conversation is really really important Oh it all sounds very good so um we've heard a little bit about some of the challenges so it's a two year it's a one year post rather for two days a week. Is there any other challenges that you can see that you might be um, having to tackle? Well, I think
1: one of the biggest challenges, is just um sort of once people know that this post is here and there's somebody (laughs) able to answer those queries it could potentially open the floodgates Um, so i think a lot of it is going to be managing um the queries that sort of come in um and, and making sure that there's really good advice and information and signposting um, so people um, know exactly where to go for the right support they need. Um, and, and as I say, 12 months goes really, really quickly. Um, so we'll have to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really excited because it's something that we know has been needed. Um, and obviously you're very keen on it and thinking things through and shaping things in a um in a new way to us really so you know thank you you're coming in with different ideas and how to do it um is there anything else you want to say about the role or about the project that you're doing
1: Um, Which is that if anyone's particularly interested in this area, then please drop me an email or or pick up the phone um, and get get in contact, because this is a really exciting project. It's a new project. Um, And although there's um, sort of scope and we know which direction it's going in. I think um, as, as I said before, we're always open to ideas and suggestions and, and getting feedback from people. So I think if it is an area that you're really particularly keen in then then get contacts so I'm more than happy to um, you know pick up the phone and have a conversation.
0: Fantastic. Well, welcome to ACT, Kath. Um, Thanks for all the enthusiasm. (laughs) Um, We're all really pleased that you've joined us and um, watch this space over the next year. I'm sure you'll be giving us an update. We'll be um, putting um, information into the spot update, the monthly spot update. um, And I'm sure there'll be changes on our website as you develop more resources and we adapt. So,
1: yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, lovely. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, AncraftTrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Ancraft Trust.